guys, welcome into the Sporting Dad Podcast. I am your host, Colton Peacock, and I'm looking forward to starting this new adventure with you guys as we take this ride along where we talk about everything dad-related, sports-related, and everything in between. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I look forward to diving into things going on in the professional world and things also going on with, you know, day-to-day life of being a dad. So, nevertheless, let's get started. Uh, NCAA football just wrapped up with their championship game. As you guys know, LSU completed the undefeated season, also taking out one of the toughest tests in football and, you know, the recent history with uh, the Clemson Tigers. And for about two and a half quarters, it was a decent game. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It was a good back and forth. Uh, Clemson got out early on them, and then, you know, LSU does what LSU does and, you know, came back and definitely put it on them. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, it was a, an outstanding game to watch for the most part. And then when you hit the fourth quarter, they just stymied Trevor Lawrence. It just he, he didn't look comfortable in the pocket. Um, and it definitely was something that showed uh, throughout the, the remainder of the game. He just couldn't hit a receiver. Plays weren't getting made. And um, definitely wasn't what we thought the ending was going to be on that. But nevertheless, LSU wins 42-25, and with that, you would think that that would be the big main story of the weekend, or at least coming out of that game, that that would be it. But as the sports world goes, that is never just the case. So coming out of that game alone, so you had the LSU win, and then you've got this ridiculous saga going on right now that is OBJ. And giving out his you know multiple $100 handshakes to the guys on the sidelines, winning the game. Um, there's a report, you know, that he, uh, was given out to everybody. Then they try to say it was fake money. Come on now. OBJ is not handing out fake money. Not in a million years is he even carrying. I, I, I doubt he even carries less than twenties in cash in his pocket. I would highly doubt it. So there's that. And then you also had, uh, what I call slap gate where he comes up and he slapped the uh, security guard on the butt. Now they're pressing charges. There's a warrant issued for his arrest. And, I mean, just takes away from the excitement that, you know, LSU, sh- you know, should be enjoying right now, you know, as national champions. But do I think that players uh, from LSU who are returning should get in trouble for taking the money? Yeah, I mean, no, no, I don't. Um Dabo Sweeney got hundreds of thousands of dollars just for showing up to the game. Kojo Drawn got thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars for winning the game. You know, and you got these players who some of their family haven't seen a thousand dollars in three months, you know, just scraping everything to get by. So give the kids a little bit of a a deal. It, it's not a problem. Everybody's going to be like, oh, well, you're going to have people doing this. You know, look, guys. If you think that these kids aren't getting money handed to them or maybe their families are getting taken care of or their cousins getting involved and getting a little extra, if you think that this isn't going on and that these kids are just coming to play for school pride and an education, then you're living it under a rock and I can't help you. Um, but the, the problem I have with it is, is that why couldn't you wait? Why do you have to be the attention? Why take the attention away from those kids who work so hard to earn it? Now, I'm sure in his heart of hearts, that wasn't OBJ's um, intention was to take anything away from these kids to be in their moment as an alumni. He's just excited, ready to get out there with, you know, what he felt like was his team, but really just ended up taking away from 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 those kids and their celebration now because now they got to answer questions about it. 
there's concerns around the program, you know, every which way. Um, and also the, the butt slap, man, you can't be slapping anybody's butt just walking up. But he, he, you kind of look at it, you know, playing devil's advocate only. You could say, well, he's in the locker room. It's a football guy's been over. He might not have known it was a security guard, gave him a tap, yada, yada. I don't know. But all I know is those kids were celebrating. The security guard was trying to get them to stop from, I guess, smoking cigars or something in the the uh, room. But I mean, let let the boys enjoy. I say boys, they're you know halfway to being you know grown men or you know some of them are grown men. Um, but let them enjoy the moment. You're in there, you're in their face because they're smoking a couple of stogies. They're not in there lighting up joints. They're not in there you know, selling off everything. You know, they're in there celebrating a hard-earned victory for something that some of those players will never see again. Some of those guys won't go to the NFL, won't play in the XFL. Next thing you know, they're, they're taking their college degree that they earned, and then they're going out and pursuing other avenues in life. So let them have this once-in-a-lifetime moment without Barney Fife being in their face. I understand that he has a job to do as well, but come on, man. Let's cut a little slack on that. Uh, but to, to circle back to the point, I think everybody needs to back off OBJ just a little bit um, and, and realize that the man was just trying to celebrate with a team that he has pride for. So that, that's my take on it. It's probably not a popular opinion, but I really don't care because of the fact like you, you got coaches making millions of dollars. You can't even get these kids a stipend. Like they can't work. You can't go out and you know, get a job as a football player at the school because you don't have the time. The time commitment is, is just to play football is just like a full-time job, if not more hours. And then you can't even be like a product salesman. Like, let's say you wanted to go off and you wanted to try one of these things like Avocare or, hell, they couldn't even sell Mary Kay if they wanted to because people would say that they, the NCAA would say, excuse me, that they were using their likeness to get sales. So it's a no-win situation for them. So if someone gives them a couple hundred bucks here and there so they can get some food or they can take a girl out or, you know, anything, help their mom with a light bill, you know, anything to kind of take the stress off these kids, and it's a problem. But yet stadiums are selling out 98,000 seats, 110,000 seats. They're getting revenue off of the jersey numbers from these kids performing. How many number nine LSU jerseys do you see now? Think about that. You know, just think about all the times that you saw your favorite college player and you went and got their jersey. How much did they got out of that? Zero. They got room and board and food. That's it. Prisoners get room and board and food. Well, they're also getting the education. Absolutely right. I'm not saying pay these guys hundreds of thousands of dollars, but to give them a $2,500 a month stipend across the board, you know, for scholarship athletes... I, I don't see the issue with that, but that's that's my soapbox on that, man. I just I feel like everybody's blowing this OBJ thing out of proportion. I just wish that he would have done it with a little more tact, a little more class about it, and you know let those kids enjoy the moment instead of being caught on camera. But like I said, I don't think that that was his overall game plan. But what's even better than that? What even takes the cake above that to where you don't even realize what's going on is MLB. And the Houston Astros and, and this sign-stealing epidemic that they've gone. So, you know, everybody knows that they were using the technology to steal signs at home games. Uh, you know, the, the playoff series of 2017. 
And now we've got uh, the GM. He's out. He got fired after receiving a one-year ban. A.J. Hinch got a one-year ban. He also got fired. But now you've also got Alex Cora from the Red Sox. He took over for them. He's now gone. And then uh, Beltran, who was with the Mets organization, has just now mutually agreed to part ways, which in other words means we don't want the hammer coming down on that. Um, other things coming out is that uh, some of the Astros players were wearing electronic devices uh, with uh, like Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman um, that would buzz to let them know what signs were coming in, things like that. Which is absolutely outstanding in the simple fact that they got away with this. And there's this funny video going around of Jose Altuve coming around home plate clutching his jersey so it wouldn't get ripped off. And everybody saying that, that he had the uh, the wire on and that's why he didn't want it coming off. Um, there's a couple of funny tweets that I saw. One guy said that he would rather face a batter who's on steroids than have to face a batter who knew what pitch was coming in. So, but that picture, if you look at it, um, it's when he hit the uh, game seven home run, Jose Altuve against uh, a role Chapman in, uh, that sent him to the World Series. You mean to tell me that if they didn't know that pitch was coming, I mean, look, you still got to hit the ball, obviously, but you're a professional at this point, so hitting the ball is kind of a second nature. But that sent them to the World Series. So, you know, there's just so much cheating going on. You got this, the Red Sox, Beltran over there, that weird interview that Alex Cora gave when he was uh, the Red Sox with the Yankees series. And he gave that weird wink, wink when he was talking about Beltran. So it's very odd. Um, but I find it interesting that people are, you know, trying to defend whether or not the MLB should take that World Series title away. I mean, they definitely should vacate it. Um, there's really nothing else you can do about that because they, they won the home games. Um, I'd have to look at the split for the World Series. But um, as far as I remember, they won. Um, I know they won all the home games in the ALCS. And then I'm not sure if they won the uh, the World Series splits or if they won all four at home. Um, but what I do know is, is that you cannot... <laughs> have this huge of a story and just sweep it under the rug with a couple of draft picks being taken away, a couple of bands, and then that's it. So, um, game one, okay, so let's take a look. Game one, Dodgers took it. Game two, Astros took it. Game three, Astros took it. Four, they tied it up. Five, Houston takes the lead. Game six is tied. And then, of course, the game clinching game seven, which was in Houston, um, they went off five to one. So you can't really, no way to know if 100% of that affected it. But I mean, you're talking about some World Series games where you had scores of seven, six, 13 to 12. Um, and the 13 to 12 game is one of the big games that they were talking about um, as being a part of the, the cheating scandal because if he doesn't hit that home run, in the, the bottom of the 10th inning, you know, or doesn't know the pitch that's coming in, so on and so forth, it definitely looks like, you know, the, the Dodgers could have walked away with that and took the 3-2 lead instead. But you'll never know what happens. They could replay it and, you know, obviously they wouldn't replay it, but just if they did, you'd never know what would happen. Nine out of 10 times, who knows what wins. But 
just crazy that, that that's going on right now um, and the fallout from it. I mean, you've got four managers or three managers who don't have a job, a general manager who doesn't have a job, and then they're investigating Jose Altuve. If Jose Altuve gets a ban, man, that just crushes his legacy. Um, you know, do you think that's something that he could come back from to get his Hall of Fame voting? Because if, if he keeps putting up numbers like he is, he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer, as I try to rhyme it right there. But with this cheating scandal, can you believe him getting in? Would you put him in above a Barry Bonds who didn't steal pitches but steroids? Would you? You know, it's a fine line. I Honestly, I don't think you could write the book on baseball uh, without Barry Bonds. Um, as of right now, you know, with the cheating scandal and everything else, I don't know if you could write the book without Jose Altuve, at least for the, the 2010s. Um, but, you know, they also said the same thing, that you can't write a book about baseball without Pete Rose, but the Pete Rose book isn't in the Hall of Fame. He's unfortunately, you know, on the outside looking in with the gambling and, and some of the other weird stuff that, that came out that may or may not be true. But nevertheless, baseball's got a problem, man. They've got to figure it out. They've kind of at that crossroads of whether or not they're going to take the old school approach and go harsh or if they're going to try to weave this into a new wave of slightly less punishment, things like that. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I was an Astros fan growing up. Um, well, I wasn't an Astros fan. I was a fan of some players. Jeff Bagwell, uh, one of my favorite players, he used to, to bat just like him with that crouch stance. I loved it, but I'm a Braves fan through and through. So, uh, interesting to see, though, uh, some other sporting events we got going on this weekend. Uh, in case you didn't know, or if you're not tuned in, um, you've got the Conor McGregor versus Cowboy fight going on this Saturday night. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this fight. It should be a good one, actually. Um, Cowboy is one of the best fighters in the UFC. Uh, definitely one of the most consistent fighters. Um, he's got a good style. He's good off of his back. and He's got a good uh, ground game. Um, but Connor, as you know, is the, the knockout artist. He's the, the big boy that everybody wants to take, the payday, so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see, I think the more likely scenario is that Connor knocks out Cowboy, but Cowboy's got one hell of a chin. He can take a shot. Um, you know, he's shown that in multiple fights. Um, Connor can be beaten, definitely can be taken to the ground and, uh, it's not a place that he really wants to be. Um, although while he has, you know, world recognized ability, I think that Cowboy is just a step better. Um, and also, it'd be interesting to see uh, one of the things that I heard about, and one of the reasons why I wanted to start a podcast was I was listening to the Joe Rogan experience, and Joe was saying that, um, I say Joe like I know him, but Joe Rogan was saying um, that he thinks it would be more likely for a Connor knockout, I believe he was saying, than a Cowboy choke, but he doesn't, he does think the Cowboy could choke out Connor uh, just because his ground game is that good. Um, the, the shit talking between the two hasn't really been as severe with, uh, McGregor as we've seen in past fights, you know, the red panty night, um, you know, talking about Jose Aldo's wife, but when you starch somebody like, like Jose Aldo and you just leave him there, you know, you have the right to, to talk a little shit. Um, he also said during this Khabib fight that he wasn't training, he was drinking, things like that, excuses nonetheless, but, you know, it is what it is at that point. But it'd be interesting to see this fight. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've actually, I think, I think Cowboy can win it. I really do. I got a good feeling on Cowboy. Um, 
just just something about him. This is his big fight. Um, he's been a company man. He takes fight on short notice. He takes anything. I don't know if he's got the 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 stand up game to hang with McGregor, but it'd also be interesting to see whether or not McGregor's starting to fall off as the you know he's made his money. He's earned his titles. He's done his thing. Um, this is one of those fights that either is going to you know, put Connor back on the right track or it's just going to be pretty much the end. Because if he loses the Cowboy here, there's not really much of a of a fight. You know, they don't... Would you line him up with Khabib at that, after that point? Do you do another Diaz rematch? I mean, if he if he doesn't beat Cowboy, do you line him up with Masvidal? Yeah, I just don't know. It's a, it's a tough sell. Um, but if he wins it, obviously, he, he picks his fight, especially if he wins it in... Um, you know, convincing fashion, so, but that's going on with the pay-per-view this weekend, a couple other good fights on that card, um, that I'm really excited about as well, like, you got the Holly Holm match, um, going against Raquel, Raquel Pennington, um, Pennington looks good, she really does, um, but you can never count out, uh, Holly Holm, um, you know, Anthony Pettis versus Ferreira, that's another good-looking fight, I like Showtime, um, he's, he's definitely a fun watch, um, you know, it's not the packed card. They definitely went top-heavy with the McGregor-Cerrone uh, uh, fight. And then the Holm-Pennington fight should be a good one. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, Connor says he's going to knock him out. But, you know, you never know with that. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pull for Cowboy. Um, just because I like that story. I think that storyline being written for Cowboy to give him his big payday. And then that kind of catapults him into the next realm. And probably gets him the title shot that he would rightfully deserve. Um, so, that's what I'm hoping for. So, hopefully it'll be a good match. We're going to transition, though, over to the NFL. And this is where we're going to finish up for the day with this. Uh, we're doing a, a short podcast, just trying to get it out there. Uh, the Sports Edition. This is Episode 1 of the Sports. We'll do an Episode 1 of Dad and then run them just like that. Throw one for Sports, one for Dad. Uh, you got Tennessee. Kansas City, I have completely screwed up my picks um, going from the beginning of the year. I mean, I had what I thought was just a sure lockdown, you know, setup, and um, I had the Steelers winning the AFC North. That didn't happen, although they put up a good performance. Um, if they would have had Big Ben, uh, Juju would have stayed a little healthier, and, and same with James Conner. That defense is stout. That's going to be an interesting team to watch next season, but I had the Steelers winning the North. Obviously, that didn't happen. I had the Patriots um, as a one seed, which, for the most part, for the beginning half of the season, that defense was carrying them to a one seed. That offense was just, I mean, I hate to love Tom Brady. The man had nobody to throw to. Uh, just nobody. They traded for Muhammad Sanu. He couldn't get acclimated. I mean, literally, it was duck it down to James White, duck it off to Julian Edelman, some trick plays to get points on the board, defense, special team scoring. Uh, they were very limited. And it showed in their in their playoff loss. Um, I had the Texans out of the South, uh, so I got that one. And then I had the Chiefs out of the West. And then my two wild cards were absolutely trash. Um, I had the Chargers and the Browns. Um, I also did these picks preseason before the German James injury, and I was riding the Browns hype train. I thought Baker would have a better sophomore season, especially with the weapons around him. Um, Freddie Kitchens being year two, figured he would have had a little more influence on the offense. Nick Chubb, running back's a beast, and a, and a defense. I mean, they've got players across the board. Nobody's denying that, but just could not put it together. Unfortunately, my NFC was a heck of a lot worse. Um, 
I had the Bears take him at North. I figured that defense and Mitch Trubisky in year two of Matt Nagy's system, and they were going to do so well. No, no, they didn't do it. They uh, they definitely bowed out pretty quick. Green Bay definitely was a, was a solid squad. Um, I had the Cowboys coming out of the East. Yeah, Dallas. Started out hot, 3-0, looked good. You know, played some trash teams, easy padding. That didn't happen. Uh, the worst pick was the Falcons coming out of the South. And, yeah. Uh, I was at the one game that they won, that they won against Philly in the, the beginning of the 1-7 start. Um, when you're sitting there 1-1, one one, got a good win over Philly, uh, which which is a good, solid team. You know it's going to be a playoff fringe team. Uh, that was a good way to go. Uh, just could not put it together. Defense would get torched for, the, for a half, either first half or second half. Offense wouldn't put up points. Needless to say, they ended up finishing up 7-9. and nine. Gives me hope for next season, but I've had hope for every season. Uh, I had the Rams coming out of the West. Uh, put up a good fight, just juggernauts over there with the uh, 49ers in Seattle. Two really good teams. Um, I had Seattle as my wild card, and I had the Saints in the wild card. So I had uh, my wild card picks right down at the bottom, but obviously I'm not an expert. I'm just some guy who likes to make picks and act like I know what I'm talking about. But that leads us to Tennessee at Kansas City. Derrick Henry running like a beast. Defense playing great. Everybody's sleeping on Tennessee. I would not be surprised if Tennessee wins this game and wins it, you know, 21-17, 21-20, around that range. I, I feel like they've got the kind of defense that can cause Patrick Mahomes to make some mistakes. Uh, but they're playing in Arrowhead. Super loud stadium. They've got the support on their back. I think this is the game that uh, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid really put on a show. Um, try to run that score up real quick because they know if they get out to an early lead, Tennessee's going to have a hard time running that ball to try to keep up with them. So score score early, score often. I think that's the Kansas City way of going about it this game. Um, I am choosing Kansas City. It's probably going to be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. I don't care. Um, but Kansas City definitely um, should take this matchup and take their way to the Super Bowl and possibly start cementing the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. And also putting a really nice cap in the feather for Andy Reid. Coach deserves it. Just played in so many big or coaching so many big games, just could not get over that hump. Um, Green Bay, San Francisco, it's your 640 game on Sunday. Looking at it, I think San Francisco's got one hell of a defense. Matter of fact, I know they've got one hell of a defense. Um, my questions are with Jimmy G at quarterback, and he's kind of a turnover prone. Um, you know, but I feel like he's solid in that Kyle Shanahan system. It's it's funny I watch the offense go, um, and it reminded me so much of the the 2016 Falcons that went to the Super Bowl just with the the play action, the running game, just getting things moving. Now, obviously, they've got some running backs that are really hammering that ball, and they've got a tight end that's probably top two, top three in the league. Take your choice. Um, and then an emerging star with Debo Samuel and a veteran, very crafty wide receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. So that is a team that I, I think could definitely give the best matchup for Kansas City. Uh, Green Bay is going to this game. You can never count out Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones is a grown man. I'm talking grown man running folks over, getting into the end zone. It is great to see Green Bay actually get a running attack, which is something Aaron Rodgers has needed for a while. I haven't seen a Green Bay running attack like this since Amon Green. Um, Parker's coming on strong. I really think that they 
need a solid two in that offense. Um, you know, it's a plug-and-play offense with that, with the, with the wide receivers, and they always make big plays. Um, you know, you got Lazard, you had Geronimo Allison, Randall, uh, Rand, I mean, this is over the years, Randall Cobb. You know, you had guys like that. So um, I don't think Green Bay's defense is going to be good enough to hold San Francisco down, especially with the run game, because um, they've shown they've had a, a weakness when it comes to getting punched in the mouth by tough teams. This one, I think, is going to be the less exciting of the two games. I think San Francisco kind of takes away with a handy, taking a two-touchdown lead, um, and just kind of just drilling the clock out. Might get a little exciting late, but we'll see. Which then, for me, would set up a uh, San Francisco-Kansas City Super Bowl, which I think would be the best Super Bowl matchup because you've got a top-flight defense against that top-flight offense. Um, I think Kansas City would be at a disadvantage being able to stop the run. Um and I, I think San Francisco could win that game. I'm hoping, though, that Kansas City gets it because I would just love it for Mahomes and Andy Reid. So that's, I mean, that's what I got for you guys. Um, I appreciate you taking a listen. Like I said, this is, this is probably going to be a, a short, shortened version of the podcast. I'm just trying to get my wits about me and, and going into this thing. Um, I didn't want to bore you. Kind of wanted to see what the reaction would be to it, see if we could, you know, take it for a good little spin. Uh, but again, guys, I appreciate you listening. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, tweet it out for me. Uh, also, check out sportingdad.com. We've got plenty of blogs on there. Write multiple times a week, and I'll be bringing some of those articles that have been written to the podcast and kind of talking about everything. Um, so I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for riding with me. Um, let's, let's make this as great as it can be. Um, and again, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. <laughs>